Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of On the Safe Side. My name is Kevin Drulli, and I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, the official publication of the National Safety Council. I'll be your host for week two of our National Safety Month 2022 podcast series. Throughout National Safety Month, the National Safety Council offers free resources to the public, such as infographics, fact sheets, articles, a social media kit, and much more. NSC members also will receive exclusive posters, tip sheets, safety talks, and webinars, plus additional resources to keep workers safe this month and all year long. You can access NSC's National Safety Month resources at nsc.org NSM. This week, we'll discuss workplace impairment with Rebecca Martin and Claire Stror, who work as program managers of the Impairment Practice Initiative at NSC. Welcome, Rebecca and Claire, and thank you for joining us on The Safe Side. Hey there, Kevin. Glad to be here. The National Safety Council has asked employers to take a broader approach to addressing the issue of workplace impairment, recognizing that chemical substances aren't the only potential avenues for inhibiting workers' ability to function normally and safely. With that, which physical and social factors should be considered as forms of impairment, and why is it an important step for employers to take this more holistic view? That's a really great question. I think that we're recognizing that people bring their whole selves to work. There's no such thing as just an employee anymore. There's an employee and their whole life, inside and outside of work. So when we think about impairment, we also want to think about that holistically as something that's getting in the way of doing our work to the best of our ability particularly if we're in a safety-sensitive position. So when we think of impairment, we oftentimes think first about alcohol, opioids, or cannabis. And these are all impairing and hazardous for workers and workplaces. But alcohol and drug use are really only part of the big picture of health and well-being. So mental health issues like fatigue and grief and stress are all potentially impairing. Anxiety, depression, trauma can all be potential causes of impairment too. We even have diverse factors from bullying, harassment, racism, to musculoskeletal injuries and pain that can all impact our health and well-being and can contribute to impairment. So we need to really holistically support employers so they can holistically support employees. It's easy for us to think that impairment is an other people problem or not happening in our workplace, but the reality is that the issues that can lead to impairment, like substance use and mental distress, are everywhere and can happen to any employee. So we need to have comprehensive and holistic solutions and supports. And helping employees is not only good people practice, it's also good business practice. So for every dollar we invest in mental health treatment, we get a $4 return in improved health and productivity. So really thinking about how we look at impairment in employees can really impact our bottom line as well. And in what ways has the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated substance misuse and mental health issues in the workplace? This is in some ways a tough question because I think we're still learning all the ways the pandemic is impacting us. I don't know that we'll know the full extent until sometime from now. But what we do know already is that the pandemic made the issues impacting the workforce prior to the pandemic worse, like lack of childcare, disparities in access to health care, access to mental health treatment, and access to substance use treatment. COVID created deep stress, uncertainty, fear, and anxiety not to mention the grief and trauma for the family members of those who lost their lives to COVID. And the pandemic really exposed the gaps and holes in our safety nets across all communities in America, and that absolutely impacted our workplaces. And alongside the COVID pandemic, we have what's kind of been called a twin pandemic of substance use and drug overdoses. The preliminary numbers from the CDC are pretty staggering that more than 100,000 people 
died from a drug overdose from spring 2020 to spring 2021. The CDC has also said that 13% of Americans reported starting or increasing substance use as a way of coping with the stress related to the pandemic. And it's a global pandemic, so it's not just the U.S. that's impacted either. The World Health Organization reported that worldwide anxiety and depression increased by 25% from spring 2020 to spring 2021. The pandemic has really shown a pretty harsh spotlight on the mental health and substance use issues impacting people everywhere, including right here in our workplaces. Claire, what should employers know and do to better recognize and respond to impairment in the workplace? I think the most important thing is what Rebecca had just started talking about at the beginning of this podcast is thinking about this issue holistically. So that's step number one, making sure that you're not um, you know, having an isolated approach to how you're addressing these issues. Um, and in order to recognize and respond to impairment, it's really important to get your employees trained, especially those supervisors, because we really see supervisors as the first line of defense. And when we're talking to those supervisors and, and whatever you're doing in your workplace to train employees, it's important not to jump to conclusions as to why someone might look like they're impaired, because it's important to really emphasize that you don't need to know the cause of why someone's impaired in order to respond effectively. Um, we do have a new training at NSC that I'd like to give a shout out for. Um, it's our impairment recognition and response training for supervisors that we just launched recently. Um, and it's a really valuable training because it emphasizes those safety and well-being concerns that maybe aren't always so um, prevalent in other trainings that are out there to address reasonable suspicion. Um, so this training really equips supervisors with the skills they need to recognize and respond to impairment. Um, there's a lot of skill building activities that can really drive these skills in and really emphasize those. And something that's important to note too is when we're talking about all these different issues, we don't need supervisors to be you know, drug recognition experts in the workplace. So what we did to help with that piece of recognizing these different factors is breaking down the signs and symptoms of workplace impairment into physical, cognitive, and performance indicators. Instead of having supervisors or other workplace professionals who might be taking a training, understanding and, and memorizing a list of the signs and symptoms for fatigue versus for opioids, I'm mean, really taking a, a higher level approach because at the end of the day, it's important for supervisors to be able to connect with their employees to know when something might be going wrong. And when you're responding to impairment, it's really important for employers to have policies in place so that supervisors and others in the workplace know how they're supposed to respond, given what the employer needs them to do in order to do that appropriately, especially keeping those legal considerations and confidentiality concerns in mind. And I'll also add that within that process, we really encourage for employers to have resources, especially if they're dealing with impairing issues that might need treatment, for example, or other supports such as accommodations so that they can really get those employees back to working safely and that they're well. Since Rebecca, like she was talking about earlier, it's important to have employees caring for them throughout the process, both on and off the job. Which specific resources are available to help? The, the training that I mentioned is, I think, the best top of mind resource to mention. Um, it's the Impairment Recognition and Response Training for Supervisors, and you can access that at nsc.org backslash impairment training. But we do have a number of other resources before you even implement a training. If you're looking to take a step back and maybe get some more assistance with developing policies or maybe educating your workforce on all these different issues, we have a number of free toolkits at NSC on these different topics. Um, the two I'd like to highlight are Opioids at Work Employer Toolkit and our Fatigue at Work Employer Toolkit. And within those toolkits, you'll find anything from, you know, implementation plans and communication plans, um, PowerPoint templates that you can use for safety talks. Um, and then, then also some free policy templates as well that you can really plug and play to add into your workplace planning. 
How can someone begin to overcome the stigma of asking for help? Well, I think that's an issue in and of itself, but I think it goes back to the first question about holistically supporting employees. So we need to create workplaces that are also holistically safe, not just physically safe, but psychologically safe. So a message of you're not alone and you're safe is not really enough without policies and resources to support it. So there's programs available to help workplaces address stigma. So even resources that Claire had just talked about. So our toolkits that we have on the website for opioids and fatigue also talk about stigma. We also have other partners like Shatterproof that has resources and evidence-based services talking about stigma. I think the biggest thing to think about is that mental health and substance use are issues that impact every one of us. So we need to both model anti-stigma behaviors and create psychological safety among each other while simultaneously building the systems and implementing policies that holistically support our workforce. Claire, I don't know if you have other resources that you wanted to mention too. No, I don't think I have anything specific. That was a really good answer, Rebecca. And I think something that I'll just add to is it's important to talk with your employees about when they should be coming forward. Even thinking about things like prescription medications that might be impairing, but they might not even be aware of that they need to report to their employer, because especially if they're in a safety-sensitive job, making sure that you're outlining those things in your policies. So even when you have that positive workplace culture, that employees are aware when they need to have that conversation regardless. And you can also involve EAPs or healthcare providers, too, in some of those discussions as well, creating that atmosphere of it's okay to talk about it, including the supports that you might have available, too. Thank you so much, Rebecca and Claire, for joining us for this special National Safety Month podcast series and for sharing such great insight and expertise. For our listeners, we appreciate your interest in helping to keep workers safe. Be sure to check out our other special episodes this month at safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash podcasts. Thank you as always, and please stay on the safe side.